0: Sometimes people read the book on holidays and they say that at the start of the holiday they're reading it like in the shade, away from the pool, in a kaftan, with like a hat on and then by the end they're getting their husband to take a photograph in their bikini on the beach. The only reason that I am where I am is because I started reading other people's stuff or seeing other people and that's how I came to feel better about myself. So to be able to kind of pay it forward is a really wonderful thing. You are listening
1: to Made of Human, also known as the MoPod, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen. Who is a Danish comedian? Trying to find out how to do life. But it turns out nobody knows. Hello, I am still talking to you in quite a low voice because um, this intro is recorded only a few minutes after. The intro from last week was recorded because I do them in bulk otherwise I would never get it done so I'm still in my Edinburgh flat uh, at the end of the Edinburgh festival I don't know if people are asleep in the other rooms I'm I'm sharing a, a flat this year with um John Luke Roberts and his fiance and with Mark Watson and uh Leanne his his girlfriend who's also my producer and Siren who's also a producer with them they produce my tour and um Oh, that's it. There's no more people and me and it's uh it's a big it's a big flat, lots of people, tiny, tiny, tiny bathroom, tiny bathroom. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to wake any of those people. I mean that's I mean, I am exaggerating because I know that both John Luke and Mark are doing shows right now, but you, you never know who who could be asleep in any of the other rooms so um and I'm wearing these, I hope they don't make any noise. I'm wearing these um hand uh, mask gloves. So sort of like a face mask, but for your hands. And you have to wear them for like 30 minutes. And can you hear it? Is that like an A-M-S-R-A-S-M-R? Is that, does that make you feel good? Uh, I hope you can't hear them too much. Um. Yeah, I, I want to get straight into this because uh, you're about to hear me chat to Louis, Louise McSherry. And um, oh, she was just so lovely. And I can't believe it's been this long before I got to talk to her. We uh, judged... Um, Uh, the uh burger, burger, hamburger queen, burger queen, hamburger queen. (laughs) Uh, Scotty's um fat talent show. Uh, last December, maybe the December before that, and it was just brilliant. Louise is incredible. So you, I want you to enjoy that episode very soon. First, I want to tell you that on September twenty second, Made of Human podcast, we're going live, and we will be doing a show at the Steel Yard in London. And, uh, my guest, I've just had confirmed today is Desiree Birch. So. He's going to make a comeback, and I am so, so, so excited. So please come and hang out. I promise that I will tell you a bunch of secrets on stage that won't make it into the final cut. So please come to that. You can find the tickets for that on madeofhumanpodcast.com. I am also taking my show on tour. I've just done it in Edinburgh for the entire month. It's been received very well, apart from one show where 10 people walked out. Let's not talk about that. It's not for everyone. The show is called The Bum Swing, and I will be taking it to, uh, well, by the time you listen to this, Um, It will already have been in Sweden and Denmark, so I shouldn't mention that, but it will be in London too, from the 10th of September to the 14th of September, so you can just make it at the Soho Theatre. I will then be in Winchester, Kendall, Aberdeen, Buxton, Bromsgrove, Leicester, Northampton, Reading, Blackheath, Farnham, Oxford, Maidenhead, Ferrum, New Milton, York, Sheffield, Lancaster, Ditkut, Aldershot, Canterbury, Colchester, and Cambridge, so I'll be all over the place. And I would love to meet you. I'd love for you to come out. It's going to be a great show. I'm going to do this show. Then I'm gonna. Um, I mean, I say that. I. I mean, it's going to be a great show. But then my plan is to have my support act, which my plan is to that that is Amy Gladhill, who also supported me on my last my book tour, and she's incredible and she's brilliant. But as we're as I'm recording this, she has been nominated for best show in Edinburgh. Her her double act, delightful sausage. And tomorrow, upon us recording this, we're going to find out if she won. And my fear is that if she wins, what if she doesn't want to be my support act anymore? What if she becomes too famous to be my support act? I mean, my last support act is now like a big comedy writer in L.A. And I I miss them. And I I don't want to lose Amy to fame (laughs) because she's so great. But I also know she's amazing. So maybe she will get way too famous before the tour even starts. So... But as it looks right now, she will be my my tour support act, and we will be uh, after we've done after I've done my show. We're just gonna hang, just have some fun for an hour. So we're gonna do some new material, some new jokes, and make like the second half of the show really fun. So you're gonna get a full night's uh, worth with me and Amy, or maybe <laughs> maybe some some. Maybe I'll find someone who's really untalented so that they'll never leave me. Is that a way of doing it? Oh, do you remember when I said this was gonna be short. It's not, is it? Now, please enjoy my conversation with the incredible Louise McSherry. Well, for people who might not uh, know... Who you are do you want to introduce yourself the there you are people be?
0: who don't know who I am That's I'm so sorry shocking. to break this to you I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> um so my name is Louise McSharry and um I am an Irish uh, person and um, I do a radio show here in Ireland um until recently it was a new music radio show but now I'm moving more into the talk realm which I'm really excited about and um, I also write um I write for various kind of papers, I've done some beauty writing, used to have a beauty column, um, I wrote a book called Fat Chance, which is kind of about my, my life, um, and then also has a lot of fat stuff in it as well, um, and I'm a fat person, that's the other thing. Amazing. I think that's everything, I have two kids, <laughs> I'm exhausted.
1: <laughs> uh, we're recording this in my hotel room in Dublin, yeah. and we have the window open because it's the most, the hardest day in... The world. Yeah, so but you've
0: got to be so grateful not to be in London because. Oh my God, so grateful! It sounds like the city is literally melting. It's horrible.
1: But my where I live weirdly is kind of tucked away, so my my flat is really just chilled and nice, oh. which is going to be horrible in winter.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah,
1: it's just to explain any kind of background. Also, the hotel is being renovated, but so there's like a background noise. But I think that's okay.
0: Atmos, atmosphere. Atmos.
1: <laughs> so where are we at this current moment when we are talking to you now? where do we meet you like where are you at in your life career wise emotionally
0: mm. like
1: right now where are you
0: so I am on maternity leave technically at the moment um, I had a baby eight weeks ago um, his name is Ted and I have a, an older son who is he'll be three in October so uh, currently at this very moment my life is really kind of consumed by them um which is kind of hard for me because I really love my work and I don't really enjoy being away from it so I'm still doing kind of little bits and pieces um and I'm looking forward to going back to work but uh, I'm also very grateful for my little angel baby Ted who is really laid back and good my older son is um, crazy is probably too much. Probably, <laughs> probably the wrong word to use, actually. Um, but he's a, he's full on. He's a high-energy kid. Um, so I'm doing a lot of stuff with them. Um, I, I'm Emotionally, I'm in a pretty good place. Um, after I had my older son, I had a really hard time. I wasn't officially diagnosed with postnatal depression, but I think looking back and having this experience now, I feel like, oh, yeah, definitely, there was something going on there. I didn't really feel good for about a year after I had him. Um but I think after you have a baby the first time, it's always really tough because the, the change in your life is just so dramatic. It's it's really hard to cope with, it. especially I think if you're someone who had a very busy and full life before you had a baby. And I mean, who doesn't? But you know what I mean? If you have like a big career or whatever, um, it can feel very weird to go from making decisions only for yourself to rarely getting to make decisions for yourself and only making decisions for your 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 baby or whatever it took me a while to adjust to that but this time I'm, I'm really enjoying it so I'm feeling really grateful
1: The I find it so fascinating to me <laughs> sounds weird meeting children <laughs> uh, but like I just spent a few days with my best friend's child he's three now yeah and I I so see I realized how I was raised, uh-huh. like, the years where, I, you know, you don't remember much from, just by how I instinctively want to speak to him. Mm-hmm. Like, every time he moved, I would automatically cover all, like, table corners with my yeah. hand just in case he ran into them. Yeah. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I must have been raised, like, my mom must have just been, like, well, I know she was very, like, be careful, be careful, be yeah. careful all the time. When my friend is the opposite, she's like, get your hand off the table. Yeah. You don't want to raise him with having the anxiety of running into tables.
0: Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably more like your friend. I think I'm quite relaxed. Um, my mother, though, I, I have kind of a funny background family situation. Uh, I'm adopted by my aunt and uncle. It's not funny. Haha. Or really that funny, strange, but it's an unusual one. Um, So my aunt and uncle adopted me when I was seven. And uh, so when I say my mom, I'm usually talking about my, biologically, my aunt. um, And she is like, we make fun of her all the time. She's like, danger is everywhere. Like everything is a potential death. So when she's around the kids, it's like, yeah, they are, I mean, they, they don't really get to move on their own because she's like holding on to them so tightly. Whereas i'm like he probably won't fall off that table and hit his head so like you know i'll let him i'll let him have a go for a while um but i feel like it's only going to take one incident that could very (laughs) make me do a 180 on that um but yeah yeah it's funny that you say that because i wonder what that says about how my biological parents were with me when i was very small yeah
1: how much what what happens seven is a is well again not fun not a fun age but yeah
0: an unusual age. An unusual to, age. Yeah. And um, so my dad, my biological dad, died when I was three of bowel cancer, mm-hmm. um, or as a result of bowel cancer. And um, my biological mom was an alcoholic. Um, and yeah, that was that's really the story. She drank really badly, quite heavily. Um, she, she was she was definitely drinking problematically before he died, and then obviously things got. Worse, And then she decided then when I was seven that we would move from Ireland to America, which is why I have kind of a mixed up accent. And oh. um, we moved to Chicago um, and then things just deteriorated really quickly. Like all kind of grip she had on keeping things organized at all went. Like I think in Ireland she had a, quite a, a, a firm support structure. You know, my grandparents on both sides were here. My granny on, on my mom's side and my grandparents on my my biological dad's side um aunts uncles neighbors like everybody was aware that there were risks you know and uh kind of kept a really tight eye on us and you know i spent we would have spent a lot of time in other people's houses as a as a small child Um, and then when we went to chicago i had two uncles and uh and my uncle's wife were there. But other than that, there was no one. Um, and so she very quickly kind of made the wrong friends and got in with the wrong crowd. And so we moved over there in November. And in theory, we were supposed to be going on to L.A., but my uncle managed to convince her that that wasn't a good idea, that she should stay where we at least had some family. Um, and then by the following May, we were... Well, she, in the end, she kind of surrendered custody of us and my aunt and uncle took us in and they were 25 and 26 wow it's like when I think about that now it's just so bonkers yeah Um, and you know they have kids of their own no they had no kids and it was me and my brother Um, we were seven and Andrew had just turned five I think my brother I was seven and he had just turned five so they got these two fully formed not like cute little babies who they could you know malleable children who they could make their own like two fully formed children with you know, notions of their own overnight. And they weren't, you know, they had the kind of budgets that you have when you're 25 and 26 and they had to pay for two children all of a sudden. And yeah, it was a hard transition. At the time, I wasn't very concerned about their transition. I was more concerned about my transition. Okay, um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, and as I get older, I always think that, like, just I can't even imagine what it was like for them. Yeah.
1: Do you have how many memories? Do you have memories from before you were seven
0: yeah I do I do um I don't really remember my dad I have like little flashes but then I think it's hard to know sometimes what memories are real and what you've kind of constructed Mm -hmm. but I have things in my head you know Um like uh, the last I feel like I feel like I remember the last Christmas morning we had together I don't know if I actually do but um I feel like I do uh but I have lots of really vivid like memories of my mom because I I definitely took on a more adult role. Um, like I w- was pouring her drink down the sink. I was lying for her. I was taking care of my brother. I was doing all that stuff. Um, and you know, from like five and six, which now breaks my heart because, especially since I've had my own children, um, you know, I think as they get older and as they get to be the ages that I was when I when I remember the things that I was doing, it's 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 kind of hard to. I think it will be hard to to deal with, but. Yeah, I, I remember a lot. I remember a lot. You know, she, she would do... She also has... Well, she, she's died now. She died uh, two years ago. But she had bipolar depression, but it was undiagnosed at the time. Mm. So she would have had really high highs and really low lows. And she would do things like... Um, like, one time she was like, we're going to London for the weekend. You and me, I'm going to show you all the historical sites. And we went and we had the, the most amazing time. And then she said, we're going to go again and we're going to bring your brother. And we went and we stayed in a hotel room for the entire weekend. And she just drank vodka. Like, she just couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So it was that kind of thing. Or, like, one night before we actually did move to America, she woke us up and was like, we're moving to America. Like, come on. And I was like, okay. And she was like, pack up your things. Like, I was six, um, and then we were downstairs, and I remember she's just pacing around, and it's dark outside, and she was like, "Call the airport, tell the plane to wait." And so I was like, fake calling mm. on the phone, the airport, having a fake conversation, so that she thought I was actually doing it. And now that I think I was six and I was doing it, it's bonkers. We went outside to try and we were going to leave, um, and she couldn't get the key in the in the door of the car, so I, I brought Andrew. She did eventually. We sat down in the car, and then she didn't. She didn't turn the car on. So I brought Andrew back inside and like put him back to bed. Went back to bed myself and like left her out in the car. It was th- so there was a lot of really, for want of a better word, crazy stuff that was going on. So I think it's those memories are kind of burned into my brain. But there's also really good stuff. I mean, that's the really heartbreaking thing about my mom is that when she had it together, she was really amazing. Um, and. Uh, and that made it really hard for me to get over her, as it were, when we when we didn't live with her anymore. Um, so I remember really good stuff as well. Like, she, she'd do things like, you know, one of the kids on the road wasn't getting to have a birthday party because, I can't even remember, I think they were doing up her kitchen or something and her parents were like, we can't have a birthday party on top of all this. So my mom had a surprise birthday party for her in our house and, you know, she would have baked everything from scratch. All her Halloween costumes were made, like, you know, immaculately. I remember one year she, she wrapped a BMX bike for my brother, like every like every spoke every individual screw like the whole thing was wrapped uh so it was yeah I do I do have a lot of memories and I'm really grateful for those the the good and the bad because it's I think if I didn't remember maybe I wouldn't understand why I have certain feelings I have
1: yeah I was about to say you how much of that can you see can you see the effects of all of that in your day-to-day life and sort of how you're Brain manages with things.
0: Yeah, um, I think that there are lots of different ways, but I think one of the biggest things for me is that I'm extremely self-sufficient, and probably sometimes to a problematic extent. I'm really bad at asking for help. I'm really bad at accepting help, Um, and I think I am quite. I used to think I was really good at this, and maybe I was, and I've gotten less good. But I'm I'm not great at letting people in. and I think that comes from being feeling as a kid that I had to keep everything together and I couldn't let anyone know what was going on at home. And, um, you know, my aunt and uncle who adopted me, my uncle was also an alcoholic, so that carried on, that kind of sense of, I must be perfect, I must keep everything together, everything is fine. Like, that went on for a really long time in my life. Um, and it, that's hard to shake.
1: Yeah. How does... Do you have any is addictions passed
0: through is it like is hereditary? A,
1: yeah, even like nature nurture like There's arguments
0: not. about it and yeah. um, but but I think so. Yeah, like of my so my grandparents were both addicts and three of their five children are addicts. Like whether it's learned behavior or something genetic, mm. I don't know, but mm. like I think yeah. and um, you Does know, that I mean
1: you keep like an eye on it yourself. You're aware of what
0: I used to, but I know I I just believe now that I don't have that, yeah. that in me um, whatever it is uh, thankfully certainly when I started drinking I would have been aware of it but now I'm not so worried but I think that with my children I'll probably watch them like a hawk because that would I, th- I mean there are lots of absolutely terrible things that can happen to your kids but I would have I think personally I would really struggle if one of them had an addiction problem because it's still very sore for me I can't be around anyone who has that kind of I can, I can smell it a mile off and I cannot be around people who are in addiction, and that's not because I think they're bad people. I don't. I, I, it's almost because I empathize and I care too much. It's, it, it hurts me, and mm. um, like I, I find it painful to be that close to, to addiction. Um, so I have to just avoid it completely. So yeah, I, I think I'll be quite nervous about that when the time comes for the lads to start boozing it up.
1: Oh God,
0: this time. Yeah. This time. Yeah, I've got a while, got a <laughs> few years anyway. They started me young here in Ireland. <laughs>
1: So is it a so? How did you end up? Well not end up. Sounds like it's over. But uh, your career, which is you know in the public eye, mm-hmm. there's always it's always a strange way to live. Is that just because things in your life have just always been unusual, so you're
0: attracted to the? I think I was just really desperate for attention. Um, initially, uh, I. I actually feel like maybe I've gotten enough attention now. I'm like, you know, I'm 36. I feel like I might have reached my satisfaction level. But I think I just never felt um, so at that after my my mom would have been like extremely loving and really demonstrative and my biological mom and we you know we would have been told that she loved us like a million times a day and my adoptive parents are not like that and so I think I found that really hard and I always felt like there was something missing I wasn't sure that they loved me I wasn't sure that I was important I didn't feel important or cared about um, in the way that I felt like I should and now as I've gotten older like I, my parents absolutely love me and you know my dad has my kids right now and he has taken the morning off work to mind them one of them puked on him he's fine he doesn't care like he you know he loves us no doubt about it but I as a kid I didn't necessarily feel that and we never had the right clothes and we never had you know I was always also you know I always felt like I was fat even though looking back at photographs I wasn't uh, but I felt like I was because people told me I was um and so I always felt like there was a problem with me and I think I was I, I always felt like if I just got enough attention <laughs> all of that would go away so I always kind of wanted a, a career that was a bit public um and uh yeah but radio is a, is a true love of mine as well like I, I really love radio as a craft um so there's more to it there but I think, yeah, initially I was thinking about media and you know, I wanted to be an actress as well. I wanted to be the president. I wanted to be everything and um, when I was younger, but I think it was mostly about attention.
1: <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, when you look back at old pictures of yourself and you remember all the self hatred. Mm. You're like, but this this child
0: is beautiful. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. so weird. Yeah, it's it's so sad. Yeah. I mean it makes me really sad because um I was beautiful you know and the thing about me is growing up I think I did feel like I had a good face but I always just felt like if my body was just better if I was just thinner like I can't remember really there ever being a time that I didn't feel like my body was a problem um and yeah to look at photographs of myself where I'm perfectly fine and like a perfectly normal size and know that at the time and I mean really young like 10 like and eight to know at the time that I felt like I was you know you know just grossly you know magnificently fat and that that was a problem now I don't have a problem with that but at the time to feel like that was a really big problem and um, yeah it's heartbreaking and it what really makes me sad is that I know that there are still children who are being raised that way and who are being taught that you know being fat is a really bad thing and like it's the most important thing in the world to keep your body slim um, oh, it makes me itchy just even thinking about it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's almost not focused on enough when people do discuss body image and fatness and stuff. Mm. That we, you know, I think people like people who are against fat acceptance or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think they don't. It's like they only think about it as us. Like they don't want you and me to mm-hmm. be happy with our bodies. Mm-hmm. They don't think about how this is kids down to the age of three. Yeah, and who can, who who can. Who can justify teaching children that, you know? It's not enough to talk about how it affects them.
0: No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I've actually never thought about it that way. But who can justify it? I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. I mean, I do think that things are improving. Um, a friend of mine recently wrote a piece for uh, a, the website of a women's magazine here in Ireland, Image. And uh, I didn't know that she'd written this piece. And it came up in my Twitter feed. And the title or the, yeah, the title of title? headline thank you Mm, sorry I'm really sleep deprived (laughs) the headline of the article was like um how I talk to my daughter about weight or something like that and I immediately was like you know the way you kind of tense and you're like oh I'm gonna click into this I might be really angry let's see how this is gonna go and I didn't know that it was actually my friend who'd written it so I opened it up and um I started reading it and in the article she was saying that her daughter had come home from school and and that in her class the word fat had been started to be used as an insult mm. and she had been talking about it and her this, this friend of mine was kind of like oh how do I, like what do I say how do I deal with this and she said that she took out like Instagram and showed her photographs of me and said you know this is Louise and Louise calls herself fat um, and her daughter was kind of like what because she took out the most glamorous photographs of me, by the way, ever. Like me going to the this, this Style Awards show earlier this year, where I was dressed up to the absolute nines um, in a very fancy dress, which appeals to a little girl. And uh, she, she said that, you know, that actually was useful and it kind of helped her go, oh, yeah, no, I mean, how can it be, how can fat be bad if this person who I think is is cool looking, you know, calls herself fat? And I was so honored. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was such a really nice thing. Um, because it, it is something I think about a lot about the way that children see the word and use the word and experience the word. And it's something that I worry about in the context of my own kids because mm. I have heard stories from people who say that, you know, I, people have tweeted me and told me these stories as well. That mm. Like, you know, my son came home from school and he's been slagged off at school because I'm fat. Your oh, mom's God. fat. And I'm like, how? what do I do about that? Yeah. Because kids will pick on anything, like yeah. any little thing that they can possibly make fun of they will um and the idea that i could be that's the only time yeah. that i feel weird about my fatness yeah is that it could possibly be an embarrassment to them yeah. because of the structure the society. of society yeah wow yeah of course so yeah i'm not looking forward to that yeah, <laughs> and then i'm like please just everyone become enlightened and teach your children <laughs> <laughs>
1: so hard because i remember i was um a friend of mine at this big dinner party she was like just raised the topic she was like right my stepson uh, is being now being bullied for being fat so what do we do do we help him lose weight or do we teach him that that's okay and i was like instantly like oh well of course the answer is obvious you know just teach him about the world and capitalism and, yeah. and uh i don't know the more i was talking about it I mean, the more i thought But then, you know, imagine him being fat and going to school and being like, well, actually, it's a societal problem, you know? I mean... (laughs) How's that going to go down? All of the kids are not going to get the same education from home. And then, I mean, it must be so difficult being in a classroom of, I don't know how many kids are in classrooms now, with 40 or something. And, you know, having to be okay with yourself, knowing, like, this is okay, but... For some reason, it's okay, but everyone in the world thinks it's not.
0: Yeah, You know,
1: it's, it must be hard to accept that. And then maybe ask other adults who will also be like, yeah, but it's very unhealthy and bad and, and whatever. Mm. I mean, it's just not an easy answer. It's not no. simple to be like, well, yeah, we'd prefer it if everyone was just suddenly just very enlightened yeah
0: it's really tricky like I was away for a weekend with some friends last year and um one of my friends I wasn't pregnant at the time and my friend's son who was I think he was four at the time he said oh you have a baby in your tummy and I said oh no I don't and he said you do he said my mummy had a baby in her tummy and her tummy looked like that I was sitting down and my tummy was probably at my biggest and I said no no I said I just have a bigger body than your mom I said, we just have different bodies. I said, some bodies are big and some bodies are small. Now, it's worth noting that this comment probably would have devastated me 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. I couldn't, yeah. like, I don't care at all now. Um, which in itself is great. Isn't it great to be in that oh, moment where okay. you're like, how wonderful that I, this yeah. doesn't get to me at all. Exactly. But um, he was like, oh, can I see it? <laughs> can I see your tummy? And I was like, no, I've reached my limit now. <laughs> I said, no, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, now he came into the bathroom when i was sharing later that day so he got what he wanted but uh <laughs> but, but i was really glad in a way to have been challenged to to have that conversation because i hadn't thought about it but yeah. i think that is the way yeah. i think you just have to be frank some people are big some people are small there's no right or wrong
1: yeah yeah, I, I've, I'm i being tweeted, picked, my book on the cover has yeah. my stomach out with a face on it. Yeah, I love it. And people tweet me or Instagram pictures of the like small children holding the book. And some of them are like, oh, he loves this book. <laughs> <'cause> he <laughs> loves looking at the picture. Yeah. And like he wants to paint his own stomach like yeah. this. Or, uh, I I was at my friend's house with her five, five-year-old, four-year-old. And uh, she wanted to show me the garden and then there was this—it's a very narrow path, and then there's a huge um, trampoline in the middle of it. So she was like, "Oh, um, here, you be careful here because uh, you're fat, so you can't really get through easily." And I instantly had this like, <gasps> "Yeah," and I was
0: like,
1: "Oh, oh no, this was just like a practical
0: piece of advice. This is true."
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, you're right about that. I'll just squeeze my way through it. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. There's just no connotation to it. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. It is amazing. Keep <laughs> it, keep it, please. Yeah, you know, it was just, oh, yeah you're fat. So that's fine. Yeah." <gasps> Whoa, yeah, <laughs> keep the child
0: safe, yeah, try and keep things neutral. Um, I think that's my initial plan, but I will have to, you know, eventually you do have to confront the fact that there are many people in the world who have a problem with this. Oh, god, so many. How but did you find They're wrong and about we're right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I found it great, I found it great. Um, it's funny because I haven't actually read the section of my book that's about fatness um in a really long time and i wonder because i feel like i was still it was still quite early in my kind of journey for want of a better word um to you know fat positivity um in fact i probably called it body positivity at the time which will show you
1: we've all all been there
0: (laughs) well in fairness body positivity is just warping more and more Mm. with every passing day um but uh yeah i was really fired up i think and like really you know high on my my sudden self acceptance and so I found it really good and to be honest it has been probably the most rewarding stuff that I've written and because I I hear from women all the time who find it really useful. Like my favorite is sometimes people read the book on holidays and they say that at the start of the holiday, they're reading it like in the shade, away from the pool, in a kaftan with like a hat on, and then by the end they're getting their husband to take a photograph of them on in their bikini on the beach. And that to me is like, yeah, yeah I, that's the most beautiful thing ever. I love it so much. Um I love hearing that. Um it's it's and and the reason that I love it is because the only reason that I am where I am is because I started reading other people's stuff or seeing other people who made themselves visible um, and who talked about this stuff, and that's how I came to feel better about myself. So to be able to kind of pay it forward is a really wonderful thing, isn't it? Just getting yeah.
1: tagged, like it's, it's just a whole other, th- it's just a whole other thing. Like there's nothing that compares to people saying because you know in your own mind how big it is to so yeah. suddenly you realize you're okay
0: yeah like it's huge and how bad it is before you get to that point yeah that's it for me like I think about how just miserable I was all the time yeah. like I mean I said to, I remember saying to my husband a couple of years ago when I was probably I don't know maybe six months into deciding that I wasn't going to hate my body anymore um that I I was like we we're getting ready for a night out and I said Do you remember how I used to have meltdowns all the time when I was getting dressed to go out. Like, standing in front of the mirror, trying on 17,000 outfits, getting more stressed, getting more upset. And by the time we went out, I didn't even want to go and I was really miserable. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I haven't done that in so long that in itself like it's it's literally liberating it's like liberation from a misery that has been placed upon you by other people that doesn't belong to you and shouldn't belong to you and getting rid of it is the best thing ever so yeah to be able to to know that you're helping someone get there is oh, is the best it's
1: amazing how yeah. I mean I'm, I'm asked this question all the time and I hate it so I'm gonna ask you <laughs> uh, was there a pivotal moment was there a moment when you realized oh wo- whoa hold on
0: yeah um for me it was I it was I had cancer um and uh in the lead up to being diagnosed with cancer I was sick for nine months like well more than nine months but in my head it's I can mark a nine month period that I remember not being right and when I started going to the doctor it took me nine months to be diagnosed and during that time because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, at some point I was like, well, it's obviously just because I'm fat. And if I just got fit, then I'd be fine. I would have energy again and I would feel better. So I started seeing a personal trainer and going to a personal trainer and people kept saying to me, and also like not eating carbs. So I was losing a lot of weight. And people kept saying to me, oh, my God, you must feel so great. And I was like, no, I feel fucking awful. Um, I feel terrible. I'm not getting any of these so-called endorphins that you're supposed to get after exercise. Well, because I had stage three cancer, like I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, I was really, really sick. And so the weight continued to fall off me, but not because I was exercising. I, my appetite completely went. I wasn't eating at all. Um, and right before I was diagnosed, I was I, I would eat, I mean, really very little, um, you know, I might have, like, I'd be given, say, a sandwich in a restaurant with some chips, and I would eat, like, maybe a quarter of the sandwich and, like, two chips. And I, I couldn't physically eat anymore, And I felt mentally amazing. I was like, I am finally the girl I have always wanted to be. I am the girl who just, just, I simply can't eat another bite. I am the girl who's like, oh, that's just too much for me. I'm the girl who doesn't care about food, who doesn't really think about it. Like, you know, it felt like, yes, this is me. I am a good girl. This is what I've wanted to be my entire life. Um... Then I got diagnosed and I started getting treatment and I started getting better and my appetite came back and the weight started going back on because naturally my body is a larger body um, and uh, I, it, it sent me into like a total shame spiral. I was so sad. I was so sad that I was getting better because I was putting on weight. And one day I was like, I have to manage this because I can't put weight on because I'm like the thinnest I've been in years and I have to maintain this. And I remember one day sitting at home after a chemo treatment, um, the day after a chemo treatment, and spending the entire day with like um, a packet of ham on the table. And I can't remember what the other food I decided I could eat was. Something else. It might, I might have allowed myself, it might have been grapes. I might have allowed myself some grapes, which obviously are the devil because they have sugar in them. <laughs> um, and uh, kind of, wanting to eat them and like trying to hold myself back and by the time my husband got home that evening I said to him I'm going crazy I said I can't continue this way I'm obsessing like I have been completely consumed by what I've been eating today or what I've not been eating I can't think about anything else I was like I have to I can't I can't keep going now at this point I had started following people online Mostly from a fashion perspective. Like, I had started following fat fashion bloggers simply because I wanted to know where to buy clothes. So, it wasn't really that I was following activists or consciously, you know, trying to think a different way. I just wanted to be able to shop. And so these people could help me find the clothes that I wanted to wear. Um, But the messages were there. So, they, you know, they were kind of fizzling away, I think, in the back of my head. Um, But I just made a decision then after that day that I wasn't going to think about this until I got better. I was like, you cannot go through six months of chemotherapy and like living with cancer and all the rest and also not allow yourself to eat. So you need to just let this go for now and you'll deal with it. You can lose the weight after you're better. But then through chemo and while my body was getting better, um... I just developed this new appreciation for it, and it started to occur to me that my body was more than a clothes horse and that it was worth more than what it looked like, and that it had a purpose. And, you know, I started to realize through meeting people who were much sicker than me that, like, wow, actually, it's incredible that I had stage three cancer and I was still going to work every day. You know, I am going through chemo and I'm really not having any complications because my body is just doing really well. And, um, you know, I am cycling sometimes to my appointments I'm walking to my appointments and there are women who I'm sharing a room with while we get chemo who like can't sweep the floor at home and are devastated about it because they just want to feel useful and when I was confronted by different varying levels of illness and ability in the context of cancer um I just kind of had to cop onto myself really and just like it just seemed so stupid to be worrying about what what my body looked like when clearly its value at that time was in keeping me alive. So I want to, I, I'm always, I try to be really careful about this because I don't want to sound ableist, Um, you know, but but for me it really was, that was the kind of big reveal moment for me. And so then I started listening more carefully to people who had fat positive messages. Um, and uh, then the more... I read and the more I thought about it the more angry I got that I had spent so long and I had wasted so much time being upset and being sad and blaming myself and blaming my body for every failure that I ever encountered in my entire life whether it was not getting a job or whether it was not fitting into something like whether it was about my body or it wasn't about my body everything was blamed on it and um, and I guess I just really liked not hating myself all the time and so it stuck And then I became an evangelist. And I just had to tell everybody, you don't actually have to be miserable. Like, there is another way.
1: I think there's so much to say in, so much of the discourse is, you know, I hate my body, I hate the way it looks. No, you look amazing, all bodies look amazing. And I think as I was, I'm still working on the pitch for a second book, and it's so hard. But one of the things I was really becoming obsessed with was the idea of, Like, what if you removed looks Mm. and it was just everything else, Mm -hmm. even just the way your body feels or smells or tastes or the things your body does or doesn't do or... I mean, just all these things that we just forget Mm -hmm. or just don't ever focus on, but Mm -hmm. it's so many things. Then even if you look outside of your body, everything you are and everything you do and everything you have experienced and your values and your thoughts and your creative sides, and like the way you look is such a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of everything you are as a person, but it gets 90% of your attention. And... I had, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to compare, I'm not comparing this to cancer, but I had a bit of a backache. Yeah. And, uh, but because my body usually doesn't, usually don't have any issues. So, but that also means that I don't think about my body really. Yeah. But as soon as I have an ache. As I didn't. Yeah. yeah, As soon as I have an ache, I'm like, I'm suddenly reminded of my body, if that makes sense. It's Mm -hmm. almost like I'm usually just the head and I don't really think about (laughs) my body really. Yeah. Apart from maybe how it looks, yeah, but then in, you know, in a positive way. But then being like having to go and see a physio and having someone tell me to do these stretches and then having to do the stretches, it just kind of reminds you that, oh my god, yeah, my, my the body is incredible. And I also I also get your fear of sounding ableist. I think it's more like a gratefulness or like a yeah. awareness, really, just of what the body is
0: yeah yeah I think that's really interesting because I've been thinking a lot about that too because I think sometimes people feel alienated by um the fat positive movement or definitely the body positive movement because um they feel like oh but I don't love my body and I don't love how it looks and you know I think it's more important to be like that's okay like I don't love how my body looks all the time either like I don't look in the mirror I'm not one of these people who stands naked in front of the mirror and like rubs it and is like oh it's so beautiful I'd love to feel that way I don't but I feel like it's fine I it's I feel neutral about it it is what it is I it has it has been through a lot it has given birth to two children it has been through cancer it has you know it it is what it is like it's just not a factor for me anymore and but for me, it's more about um, being treated like a valuable person uh, and that not being compromised because I have a larger body. Um, but also, sorry, I don't even know if that made sense, but, no, but also um, it's funny what you were saying there about all the, all the various things, like how your body feels or whatever. Cause I was in the park the other day and actually it's the same child who asked me if he could see my tummy came over and uh, he was like, when did you get here? And I said, oh, I, I got here a couple of minutes ago. And he just lay down on top of me, like fully lay down. On, on my full, the full length of my body, almost. He's <laughs> he's six now, so he's tall enough. Um, and he was just lying there and he had his, his hands behind his head and he closed his eyes and my friends were laughing and I was like look this is what happens when your body is basically feels like a massive squashy pillow like I am very comfortable. <laughs> I love this kid. <laughs> yeah I know he's great. I was like I am very comfortable and I and I feel it when I carry my baby in a, a, I carry him in a wrap sometimes and um, mm. where he's kind of wrapped against my body and I'm like how love, like I have large boobs and they're very squashy and soft and I'm like how nice that he has that to kind of snuggle into and you know and yes all of those things are important and we just totally ignore them like you know I'm a great cat bed. I function really well in any kind of snuggle situation and sorry, I don't think that a very angular body would be as comfortable. You know, and these things you know, they are of value and we just totally ignore that. I think you're so right. Yeah. My
1: my big realization was when uh, I read, this is the book and one of the characters was fat but it wasn't like a thing and then one of the characters There are books like that? (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And one of the characters has sex with another character but the way that was described was um, something something he felt the weight on top of him with something like great lust or something and I was I had to like put the book away and just sit and stare into into the wall for like 15 minutes because was like oh yeah you can feel the weight mm. like every time I'd had sex which is a lot not bragging <laughs> it's not that much I want more anyways uh, it was just this Oh, of course, everyone they've been able to feel me mm. as well mm-hmm. and smell and all these other things and in my head every single time I'd just been thinking of how does this look? how does this ankle look? how does mm. this ankle look does this be- can you feel my d- double chin? can you you know what about my arms flapping or whatever mm. where it, there's so many other senses to sex and
0: everything connection and yeah. everything, and
1: I was just, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that your whole life without ever thinking that. Oh yeah, there are more senses to yeah. experiencing my body.
0: Yeah, it's 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 funny the the idea of uh, opening up or expanding the way we think about our bodies, or even just letting go completely, as you suggested, of the looks factor. Like how liberating that would be, and how different we all would feel. It's it's just so infuriating that we have become the kind of society that we are. Yeah. And that our values are so fucked up, you know, when it comes to our bodies. Um I do I do feel optimistic though. Um like I think things are pretty shit, but I think that they are improving. Mm. Um slowly but surely, and I'm grateful yeah. for that. Like I'm I'm not hopeful for my lifetime, but I would think that hopefully maybe in my kids' lifetime or whatever, um it'll be a little bit easier. Um, but then shit things happen and I'm like everything's fucked forever
1: (laughs) I think what really encourages me at the moment is how many thin allies I'm encountering and Mm. not just you know people who are like liking my photos but people who are actively bringing like there's so many dietitians and nutritionists and uh, like food influencers like people who are thin and who a lot of people just look up to who, mm. and the people who look up to them would never ever 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 follow me or listen to anything I had to say because just no yeah but then suddenly they have a doctor and like people who they whose opinion they believe is the right opinion who suddenly mm-hmm. go in and go like this is bullshit and yeah. it is oh uh, I mean yeah. it's almost the people I love following the most because I'm just like Looking at all their posts, knowing who sees their posts, and like knowing how people will react to it, and they deal with all the anger, people slagging them
0: off, and yeah.
1: and it, it feels like, it feels like we can just kind of le- just lean back a bit,
0: <laughs> yeah, take a breath. <laughs> oh,
1: okay, thank you for dealing with that for us. Yeah. As soon as these people are ready to start, you know, diving more into it, then we can take over and just be like, here's a nice picture. Yeah. You can look amazing, read our books, but 100%. There, need to have, there needs to be someone to bring people from that that side over to us because then otherwise there's a gap where they would never even consider
0: yeah and I think sometimes that kind of thing can be uh, people can complain about that and they complain about it with men and women as well. When you're talking about sexism um, or inequality where people are like, oh, yeah, they'll listen to the mom, but they won't listen to the woman. And like, yes, of course, yeah. that's frustrating. But if they end up listening to the woman, I don't yeah. really care how they get there. Yeah. So like, yeah, if you don't want to listen to me because I'm fat, but you'll listen to this nutritionist yeah. or a dietitian who is thin and, you know, or model, they don't even have to be an expert. If you listen to them because they're thin, but you end up with me, then fine. Yeah, absolutely Like, who cares? I want the end results.
1: And we can also say, you can both acknowledge that it's problematic because it's not blah, 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 but also you need to catch (laughs) problematic people with, you know, things can be two things at once. They can be really problematic, but they can also be the only thing that will work.
0: Yeah, they can be useful.
1: Yeah, so you can slag off, what's his name, Matt McGorry?
0: Oh, yeah. Woke Bay. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can be like, wow, okay, you're really. But also, you know, he recommended his millions, I don't know, probably not a million, as many followers to read Linda Bacon's
0: uh, Health at Every Size. You're like, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I've (laughs) ever used that expression so appropriately before in my entire life. Have you not? Oh, it's good. But I'm into it. Look, I don't even know how to. You know, like, you understand what it means, obviously. We I mean, only within this very specific. Like next time someone uses, it, I'll be like,
1: like Matt McCurry, is that
0: you're talking about? <laughs> well, now that I'm thinking about it, I've never thought about it before. It's actually really weird because what does it mean? So the, do the gifts come out of the horse's mouth, and then you don't look directly? I don't know what that. Like I don't understand. <laughs> it means I'm not going to be ungrateful for someone giving me something. But where are the where are the gifts coming from? Why am I looking? Why am I like not Irish looking one, at its or mouth? Is it just... No, it's no, like oh, okay. I think it's like English speaking like world. <laughs>
1: Look. So I'm going to Google that. Yeah, please
0: do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Google that. I'm <laughs> very
1: excited about having learned a new thing. Uh, so a question I always ask on the podcast is, um, what would you most uh, want for me to ask you?
0: Oh, I have heard I have heard you ask other people this question, and I'm always like, that's really hard. And then I didn't think about it before I got here. Just, you know,
1: I, imagining the things I've, I've, I've asked you have been some of the things you've usually
0: answered. And um, maybe there's a thing where you're like, oh, actually, this would be really... Um, Well, I know what I always like to say. And what I always like to say is that um, I think... And I think it's the reason that this podcast is so great—that the most valuable thing we have as human beings is our experience, and that if we can share it, it can be—it is the most empowering thing ever. Because the the minute that you hear an experience or a challenge or something that you you ha- is going on with you, kind of said by someone else, you feel less alone and you feel more able to deal with it. So I think that everybody who is comfortable doing so and feels able to and feels safe doing so should share their experiences. So that's why I—people always say, "Oh, you're so real. You're so honest." That sounds like a brag, but <laughs> I didn't mean it to. But I'm like, yeah, because it's easy for me to be, it's who I like I'm an open book, that's just naturally who I am and I do think it's really useful. So, um, you know, sometimes on Instagram, particularly around motherhood, um people, you know, the the Instagram moms can be a bit perfect. Um, and I just don't believe it um, and I am not that so I speak quite openly about like the various challenges of motherhood I also you know express my gratitude and you know you how much I love my kids and all the rest but there are some people who'll be like oh my god you complain so much and and I'm like no 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 this isn't like this is reality and I hear from women all the time who are like thank god I'm having like yesterday I had a really bad day with my toddler and they're like, I had a really bad day too. You know, I my daughter pooped through three layers of clothes and I had a change of clothes for her, but I didn't have a change of clothes for me. So I had to walk home with poo all over my clothes and she was having a tantrum and this happened. And like, you know, it, it, we feel less alone. I feel less alone because she's sharing with me. She feels less alone because I'm sharing with her. So I just think it's so important to be honest and open where you possibly can. Um, so I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to do that here.
1: Of oh course, you always always anytime anytime (laughs) uh it's uh what was i gonna say i was was sucked in by what you were saying um i think there's something in the um i forgot what i was gonna say about it anyways there's so much more to say the poo distracted Uh, you sorry yeah i was talking more about the poo (laughs) no it is really i mean i'm i'm in that state of mind at the moment with like thinking about children not not having them well but um my my friend's child because i just spent three days with him and he's just like, the most amazing child, but oh my god, it's so much. Mm. Like, it must take... It, and what I was thinking about it was, like, wow, for that whole day, looking after him, I was almost too distracted to really worry a lot about my own shit. Like, it made all the other things kind of seem so much smaller. Mm. And it was just three days. Yeah. I, there'll be mothers <laughs> we're like, fuck you, fuck you to hell. But, um, uh yeah, it just—it it was like something just seemed bigger and it sort of sounded in the way you were talking about like when cancer happened and something was just like... And, and when you think about it, this whole body stuff and, I mean, a lot of things really can be so small or are so small, really, because it's yeah. not really a thing. You know, it's something that people make up yeah. so that we can buy some things. But, oh, this is going to sound so wanky, but like what life is... Actually, is mm. like it has nothing to do with how you look or yeah. what you wear or any of those things. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, that is the thing about being around small kids, and particularly, I think at that age, like my son is just coming up to three. They're taking everything in, and they're trying to understand everything, and and it's seeing their minds develop makes you question your own mind and how your mind developed as you said and how you became the person that you are but also yeah it's totally consuming you don't have time they're asking you 17,000 questions a minute like you do not have time to think about your own stuff which is why by the way I've been really bad at replying to emails recently mm-hmm. if anybody's listening. listening um, but you genuinely don't get a second and, and that is really rewarding but it's also really difficult if you're someone who has other stuff going on in your life um, and if you don't have a moment to think about yourself like I'm not a person who forgets to eat, Sophie. Uh, that may come as a surprise to you, mm-hmm. um, but I have days where, like, it's three o'clock and I haven't eaten, and I'm like, "How the f- How did I allow that to happen?" But it just happens because you don't have a second. It is all-consuming. It's a crazy thing, but I think what I learned, I found that really hard to come to terms with, as I said the first time. But I think what I learned is that it's temporary, and it's like it's such a special time, and it will go. Um, but I know, again, there'll probably be someone who's having a really bad day with their toddler who hates their life right now, who's like, fuck you, I don't care, it's too long. <laughs> um, but, but, it's, but it is temporary and it all passes and um, it's, it is a very special thing to be part of this phase of, of a, young person's, a young person's life.
1: <laughs> so that leads perfectly into the last question that I always ask, which you may have heard before. So <clears throat> you're in the delivery room and you have just been born, but you're you now holding yourself as a tiny baby right so tiny louise is crying and crying and crying because it's so loud there's so many sounds she was just in the womb where it was all warm and cozy and nice and quiet and there was no people and everything was fine and now it's too loud it's too bright And she's looking at you like what the fuck Mm -hmm. what is this is this what life is going to be is life just people shouting and lights and all of this is that what it's going to be like and you know what the next 36 years of her life is going to be like. And there will be things that are lights and sounds, and it will be, there will be things that happen that are not that nice. But she's looking at you asking, What's life going to be? Hmm. It's not a time for you to give advice or tell her to do anything differently because you can't change anything. But you can tell her what life will be
0: like. What would you say
1: to teeny tiny baby Louise?
0: I would say things are going to get better then things are going to get worse and then things will get better forever.
1: Do you still need to be told that?
0: No, which is really nice. I feel, it's funny when you were asking that, I was thinking, um, I think I have everything I want and that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I still have goals, I still have things I want to achieve and all the rest, but if you'd asked me 10 years ago, what would you want I think I have it all. Um and that doesn't mean there won't be challenges and like, you know, obviously I've been through some challenges since then or whatever, you know, cancer and the like. But um I just feel like I have everything that I that I would like to have at this point in my life and um I can deal with anything that's coming and that's pretty good.
1: That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing
0: this. Thank you.
1: Where can people find all of your stuff? Fat Chance is a great Um yeah, book. Fat Chance
0: is the book. Um uh it's like on Amazon, Kindle, uh, and also independent booksellers, I think. Although, actually, the last time I checked, it was sold out where I wanted... That's irrelevant. Uh, I'm Louise McShari everywhere on the internet. Louise McShari on Instagram, Louise McShari on uh, Twitter, and I've given up on Facebook. <laughs> I am there, but I'm, I never post. Cool. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. She is incredible. Now, if you want to hear her answer the final... Six or seven questions that I always ask my guests uh, after the main recording is over. Questions like, uh, do you have an unpopular opinion? What's the most embarrassing thing you ever did? Uh, A recommendation for something? What's a life hack you have? Then go to patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, and sign up to be a patron. Then you have access, and you can put in the RSS feed, and then you can just have them in your um, podcast app. There's a way you can Google this. I don't know how to explain how to do it, <laughs> but you can. And it's almost like getting an extra little podcast every Saturday. Isn't that fun? Uh, you can do that regardless of how much you pay, like a, from everything from a dollar to all of the dollars per episode. If you give $5 per episode, though, you become a friend of the podcast this is by the way, voluntary, you can also choose to not get the reward. The reward is that I say your name at the end of the episode. So that's what's going to happen now to people who are friends of the podcast. I want to say a massive, massive thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, Anya Knoblauch, Ashley Salmon, Autumn Blue Skyberry, Barry Kate and Cat Posey, Kathy Beveridge, Cherry Winter, Claire McCowlin, Connor O'Donovan, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheet, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor Emma Chan, Vanilla Don Primusier, Soas, Aurora, Aurora Territops, Fiona Richardson, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minnett, Heather Watson, Ida Circle larsen Jane Mahoney, Josie, Kathleen Gulmanson, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, Katty, Travis, Kaylee, Renouf, Renouf? Hmm. Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, M Dash, Maury Fraser, Manon, Manon Elin, uh, Mansour Mir, Marquette Dubalova, Megan Roberts, Paul Swaddle, Paul Williams, uh, Perpetual Motion, Piafine, Rachel, not really, it's Lily and Harry French in a racial costume which is a brilliant name, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Cabber, Russell Hughes, Sarah Frera, Iker Seth, Sarah Allett, Sarah Pluma, the three Sarahs, Susie Tyler, Victoria Greer, and Victoria Layton. Oh my god, it's still exciting between the three and a half Rachels, because I don't think we count Lily and Harry French in Rachel costumes, and then between the Sarahs and the Victorias. This is all very exciting. Now, Now I just want to say a big thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode, to Kitty Edgar for doing the booking, to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. And thank you to Louise McSherry for being a great guest, and to you for listening and bearing with me um, in the past week or so with all of these rambly intros. Um, Yeah, thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Five-star rating. And uh, yeah, speak to you next week. Bye. Mm -hmm. Oh, hi.